the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to The Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. Everybody here? Jake, Patrick, Justine, John, everybody's here? The whole gang? Hello. Yay. Justine and I are would are, are proud to announce uh, uh, the uh, the launch of our new private podcast, and that's going to be called. What do we call it, Justine? Private podcast. Yeah. What do we call it? It's an OnlyFans podcast. Yeah, it's a fan only <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Justine, she'll tell you everything about the wedding in in excruciating detail. Justine, so many people had questions about the wedding. So many people had questions. <laughs> Most and the, the the number one question asked was, "Did you really ask Patrick to leave the picture?" Because I told people, I said, "I don't know if she was kidding or not. She could go either way." What, so did you- I say it out loud? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> that is. Did funny. I yep, say I was kidding? I laughed. Okay. Well, that's see, that's right there is is telling because. But what kind of laugh was it? Was like, <laughs> it was like a <laughs> like that. What was it, it was like? A fake laugh. I'm like Patrick, get doc- out of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a Dr. Evil laugh. Yeah, I love it. Definitely. I love it. Uh, yeah, but you, you, your your segment. We talked about Edward James almost. And your segment got more questions than our segment on Never Dreams Almost. So you stole the spotlight from the patron saint. But uh, yeah, I was just telling telling the kids before we started, I, I started a Battlestar Galactica rewatch. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I take my own advice. He was fantastic on it. So I just finished the miniseries and now I'm on to the series. But unfortunately, Patrick said it's not streaming anywhere. It might be on... It might be on the Peacock because it was an NBA uh, NBA. <laughs> it was an NBA property. Space Jam, uh, Space I don't Jam, have that. Space Jam, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah, the, you can actually get the Peacock for free, and some of the shows are free, but I think they have commercials. Ew! Let's check it out. How do you guys feel about the, the the base tier of streaming services being shown with commercials? Because that's the whole point for me. The whole point of streaming is I don't have to sit through the commercials. Exactly. So like Hulu and stuff like that, I pay for the extra not to have commercials because I don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah, that's right. When Disney threw that Hulu Plus deal out there with Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, I was like, oh, Hulu's included? But then it's like, oh, no, it's base Hulu with commercials. It's like, well, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I'm just going to go separate. That's why we didn't do that. Yeah. When I want to watch my Rockford Files, I don't want to watch. I don't want to see what. I don't care. Care about you. I don't need no stinking commercial. I don't care about your link. Is that on? Is that on the Peacock? The Rockford Files? Yes, it is. It's on the base version of the Peacock. Yeah, some of the old, some of the old NBC shows are on there. So, but uh, yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a huge. There's a. It's a mess right now. (laughs) Streaming is a mess. I just read an article about how uh, Warner Brothers actually got the rights to Harry Potter for 90 days so they could put it on HBO Max, and now it's gone already. So that's crazy. And I think it's going to turn up on the peacock for like three months and then it goes back to somewhere else. And it's like all these studios made these deals with these streaming companies and now nobody's got their own properties. So yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. And then I just want to watch what I want to watch. They're going to drive us back to piracy. That's what's going to happen. 
Well, I think mm. they had to like do those moves really quickly too when everyone was locked down. So yeah, I guess I guess Netflix just paid to get friends back. Is that true? Is that Netflix got paid to get paid to get friends back? Because now the office is leaving, so Netflix yeah. is, basic, is basically banking on people just leaving their TVs on in the background. Because Friends is kind of nobody. I don't think anybody sits and actively watches Friends episodes. Good God, now it's like, oh, I'll have this on in the background. And the office yeah, is more. The office is kind of well, going Netflix that way too. Is making their own content now, just to lose those. Yeah, I, I don't understand where Netflix shelling out all kinds of money when you have something like Mystery Science Theater, which is cheap to produce, and you resurrected it, and now it's just like, meh, and you let it go. It's like, well, why'd you bring it back in the first place? Or why'd you start this show? Like, I, that was supposed to be the whole thing about streaming was, there's no rating, so we can make these things, and you know. Yeah. So it's like when Daredevil got the, the axe as well. It's just like, well, it was your original property, and I guess, you know, they were getting in a fight with Disney about it, but still, like... We watch for the original content. I mean, it's nice to have the other stuff, but you want new things because you're constantly looking for something else, right? I feel like Netflix original content now is kind of is kind of dipping in quality for a while. There was kind of you know it was yeah, good. it was good for a hot minute, but it's definitely dropped. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're. I mean, their first one was House of Cards, and it was amazing. Yeah, and then you know you had Stranger Things, which I wasn't necessarily a fan of, but people loved it. And uh, yeah, and now it's like they just do. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll they see. Have what, too many. I think you're right. I think they. They. I think they. They're competing with their with themselves, and I think it, they end up doing so much content that it's it hurts themselves because like watching it. Anymore. Yeah, you're not watching. Yeah. It's like um, they're over trading their own market with their, with their content. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like planting a field over and over, and then you know you you get less and less yield every every crop. How about that? How's that for an analogy, guys? How do you like that? Yeah. My farm analogy. My watercress analogy there, uh, <clears throat> yeah, dude. It's uh, it's weird, but uh, it is it. You, I, Patrick. It's funny that you said about Battlestar Galactica because I can't tell you how many times I'm annoyed that I just I'm in the mood to watch something, and I'm like, how is it not on anything? How is this show? Hmm. How am I not able to stream episodes of Get Smart anywhere? Why is that a thing? You know, it's like especially the old stuff. You'd think that would just be readily available. You know, it's so cheap, you know? Yeah. I want to watch that stuff. That stuff turns up on like cozy and me TV and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Green acres, Hogan's heroes, Andy Griffith. show. that all turns up on those, you know, channel 5.5 start stations. Yeah. It used to be like that. Hulu used to have the most random old shows. And it was great. still kind of have it, but it was great. Cause sometimes you just want to watch an episode of the odd couple. I want to watch one episode. I want to watch the episode of the mm-hmm. Odd Couple where they go on password, and then it's like okay, yeah. and then I, I just want to watch that's that one. Like, um, <laughs> that's like the best episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, or I want to watch the episode of uh, Get Smart where they get married, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, and uh, <clears throat> and it's like, well, I can't because it's you know this company well, has it and that company has it. Don't you? Don't you have a lot of that stuff on DVD, J- John? Are you talking about me getting up and putting a disc? In yeah. the machine? Yeah, what am I, an animal? Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff I've got on DVD. I've got the entire run of Get Smart. I've got the entire run of the Rockford Files. You just pop them in, you know? Yeah. Hey, I, nobody got time for that. Yeah. No, nobody, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> everyone's going to look like uh, those people in wall you know, where they're all just sort of slumped over, can't get out of the chair. John, what do you, what am I? What do you think I'm going to get my my reel to reel projector out here? 
Start doing films for the kids. Come on. I got a fucking rewind a tape. Are you shitting meanwhile, me? <laughs> meanwhile, I'm watching The Odd Couple because I got the entire run on disc. I do, too. John, don't rub it in. I do, too. <laughs> I'm missing one of the discs. That's my problem. I had so many DVDs. At one, I had so many DVDs at one time that they're, you know, stuff's in different boxes, and it's like, oh, I've got the mm. whole run. I, I lent uh, Sandy the DVD, the Sherlock Holmes DVDs, and there's three missing. The cases were there, yeah, but the, it's like, well, sorry. I got to dig them out now. I've got a spindle full of CDs somewhere that uh, DVDs somewhere that it's in there probably probably throw your arms up and now I can't watch DVD everything's on Blu-ray now DVD I might as well be watching black and white television are you kidding me you do know you do know that your Blu-ray player will play DVDs right John but it's not in Blu-ray quality I can't watch quality is trash I can't watch upscaled video what what am I an animal are you, are you telling me you need you need to watch Get Smart in Blu-ray? That's a show that was yes. filmed in 65? Yes, John. You should see the colors. I want to see the wrinkles on all the actors' faces. You should uh, see the you colors. Still, um, put DVDs in PlayStation? Heck yeah. Oh, okay. That sounded slightly dirty the way you said that. Just, can you still put... <laughs> TVs in a place. <laughs> it works, but you got to use some foreplay first. <laughs> that, was oh way, that, was the, that was like that was like that was like AV club uh, a foreplay right there. Can you put your DVD in my PS4? <laughs> yeah, you got to give it a kiss first. Oh, oh man. My God, I was going to blow on it. God, good stuff. Good, we're starting strong today, guys. Strong start. Give it a I love it. Give it a you guys are all doing well. Everything, everyone's holding up well. We're still under semi quarantine here. Back school, yeah. school's back in yeah. session. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things are good. Uh, uh, Justine, right now. Justine, you told a, right. a slightly interesting story right before you. Uh, we came on the air. What uh, do you want to repeat that story? Yes. So I asked my friend because she's a um, teacher in the L.A. school district. I was like, hey, have you seen the movie Stand and Deliver? She goes, yeah, it's really popular. My principal is one of his students. How about that, wow. John? One of I wonder which uh, student. I, I don't know. One of them. That's but wh- she mm. became a principal. Look at that. Wow. In the LA Unified stayed in the state in the system. That's great. That's really cool. I love it. Yeah. That is that is cool. All right. That's it. So did you have you guys been talking like cholos all week? It's part of your homework. No. I did not do my homework. You should have done it at work. <laughs> I could just imagine Jake trying to pull it off and then just getting beat up. Oh, that'd be great. I mean not you hey, getting not hey. you getting beat up, but you know. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. You, you, you feel me, yeah, dog? Get, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel me, dog? Mm-hmm. I mean, we did, we did watch a movie that has one of his favorite actors in it. Who, endlessly this week. What was that? Uh, Biloxi Blues, starring one Christopher Walken. Oh yeah, That's we're gonna right. we're gonna hear some walking today. I know we are. Uh, mm. I'm not sure about. He was less walking-y in this one, though. 
He was a little less walking than normal. A little, he was a little walking but <laughs> Walking-esque? He, he, he hadn't quite hit his peak. He hadn't quite get peak walking yet. So, no, but not quite. Uh, you know why? Because there weren't two mice dancing on a no, two mice fell, butter. they fell in a bucket of cream. One mouse mm-hmm. gave up and drowned, but that second mouse turned that cream to butter and he walked out. That's it. Say that as of today, I am that second mouse. What's your name? Dossie, Dossie, my son. We have a funeral today. Father, big hero, 21-gun salute. I love it. I could do that all day. Yeah. Oh, guys, this Coke Zero. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Coke Zero brought to you by Kirkland Signature Vitamin Zero Water. Vita Rain Zero Water. And Coke Zero. That's the combo I'm enjoying today. Are you guys enjoying a nice cold beverage? Yeah, some water. Water. Mm-hmm. Some good, some good old Canada Dry for me. Canada Dry. Are you a little ginger ale, a little tonic, a little soda? The entire mm-hmm. line of Canada Dry products. What do you have? What do you got there? Gin- ginger ale. A little ginger ale. I like that in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justine, do you have a, uh, your your hydro flask handy there? Uh, watermelon slush. Wow. wow! Is that homemade? She's just trying to outdo everybody. <laughs> No, not homemade. Okay. What about you, John? Water. Beautiful. Water. Beautiful. Water. I like water. Water likes me. I love it. Water. I love it, guys. We're going to jump right in this week. Not a lot of... Uh, we lo- Oh, bo- big news. I mean, they're the, the, the biggest news. Let's bring it down. We lost uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was uh, Jackie That's Robinson. Crazy. He was Thurgood Marshall. He was James Brown. And he was uh, T'Challa. The Black Panther. So, uh, what devastating news? Had cancer um, for five years. Worked most most of the appearances we were seeing him in the superhero movies. He was already uh, undergoing treatment for for cancer. And um, yeah, it's, hard to it's crazy. Like, and the fact that like he had to hide those things is just crazy. I think he just wanted to. I hard just to think, believe. I just think he and he did a good job of hiding it. Uh, but uh, I don't think anyone knew. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. amazing. But what a what a huge! I mean, we all talked about it. We all love Black Panther. It was up for it was like one of my favorite movies, uh, the year it came out. And um, I mean, what a, what a what a what a legacy he left behind. He was only here for a few yeah. years, but what a, what all the roles he picked, uh, you know, you know, played these larger than life characters. And uh, it's gonna be. We watched Black Panther on Friday, just kind of as a as a little tribute and. Uh, the charisma, all that stuff, is going to be very, very hard to to uh, replace if they decide to move forward with the franchise. And it's a yeah, shame. What they're going to do? It's a shame because that really felt more like a James Bond movie than a Marvel movie uh, for most of it. Yeah, and uh, he was just amazing. He was great in it, and um, good chemistry with the cast. And man, uh, good chemistry even with the villain, with uh, Michael B. Jordan. So. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what they uh, where they go. But uh, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman. What a what a loss. Yeah, yeah, it was a shock. I was yeah. I don't think anyone saw that coming. That was right out of left field. Man, it's a it's a bummer. I, I was bummed out for sure. And uh, if you haven't seen it, check out. Um, I just watched forty two as well. And you know, it's a little 
it's a little Hallmark movie-ish sometimes, and uh, but uh, his performance is so good and so sincere that it's hard to uh, dislike the movie. And uh, yeah, it, he's wonderful in it. He's wonderful in it. So uh, I rec- highly recommend that. I John, did you see? Uh, did you enjoy his performance in in uh, in Get On Out? Uh, I didn't see it. Or what did I say? Get on up. I said get on out. <laughs> That's two different genres. Get on up. You haven't seen it? Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. I think I think you'll really enjoy it. I have not seen uh, um, I have not seen um, uh, Twenty One Bridges is the one I haven't seen, so I need to check that out. Yeah, I heard that was really good. Uh, I that, guess that's the last thing. I think that's the last thing you did. Yeah, it was, the trailer looked really great. It did, and uh, it looked like he was gonna. You know, he's trying to go for more diverse roles and trying to. You know get out there as an actor so it's, it's kind of a shame that we don't get to see what he could have done and of course you know to a lot of kids that's black panther so i can't imagine being a kid right now and you know yeah and uh yeah what that what that hero what that particular hero in particular meant to so many people uh you know to lose that it's it's a shame but uh what a hero in real life just to keep keep plugging away like that is it's amazing yeah it's unimaginable he's he's working doing all those action movies while he's got the cancer it's crazy yeah uh it just shows you you know that just shows you something about him but uh yeah uh well you know not i didn't mean to bring everything to a grinding halt but uh, i just i did want to at least acknowledge that uh, that we lost the great chadwick boseman um all right guys let's uh let's let's take a left turn and let's jump into this week's edition of the digital movie club are you ready? Yeah, you get the idea. All right, guys. It's Digital Movie Club. You're in the club. We're tricking. Disney now owns that thing. Disney now owns that theme song. We're trekking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get sued. Please don't sue us. All right. Um, that was, probably sue us. That was a long way to go. Uh, it wasn't really worth it, by the way. Okay. We did two. We're, we're continuing our trek through the 1980s. We're into the late 80s now, 87. Justine has now arrived on the scene in the form of a baby. So, <laughs> in the form of a baby. If you're following, if you're following the timeline. Uh, John and I still haven't met, but we're getting close. And uh, mm. I'm a I'm a teenager still. So uh, this is uh, this is where, that's where we are. All right. John's a young adult. He's out there going to all the cool concerts. All right. So and then Justine's a baby. Yeah, that's where we are in our ti- in our personal timeline. In our personal timeline, there's a, there's somebody with a baby carriage walking past us, and it's Justine in the carriage. Yeah, in the carriage. Yeah, <laughs> that won't happen until like, I mean, we go. We go. Hey, someday we're gonna do a podcast with you, little baby. Yeah, that won't that won't <laughs> that won't happen until at least late '89, early 1990, John. So that that's right. Then around. you hear what's the podcast? Yeah, that's right. And then you, yeah, uh, yeah, I give you guys a thumb up, a thumbs up. Yeah, then she, and in her little a baby, vo- yeah, in her little baby voice, she'd be like, "Sounds good." Yeah. Um, no, she'd be like, and then I say to Mario, okay. you know what that, 
I'll say that little baby just said the strangest thing to get Casablanca sick. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Casablanca right now. Fan film right here. Right, I love it. Great. We all give it tens. We're going to we're going to go through the list. What we're going to do one day, Justine, is we're going to go through the list and we're going to with the passage of time, we're going to when we finish the digital movie club, we're going to go over each one and we're going to see if we want to alter our scores at all. Up we're or down. We're going to rewatch every movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're going to do this you, time, we only have one week. You guys don't know this. I have another project in store for this podcast when we run out of the digital movie club. So don't worry. It's, it's going to get this. We're going to watch the entirety of the Star Trek next generation. This, this podcast is going to go on into perpetuity. Um, it's going to be the history of television, starting with Uncle Milty and wrestling. Yeah, even farther, we're going to go even farther back. We're going to go to the, like those weird 1930s broadcasts where there was only like three TVs in the whole country. We're going to do those. It's going to be a picture of uh, Felix the Cat on a Lazy Susan turning around. Yes, and we're, we're going to be all fascinated by it, and we're going to we're going to plan our whole Saturday evening around that. All right, and then a uh, test, and then a test pattern with an Indian on it. Patrick, you, you never get to pick the, the order that we do the movies in. What order would you like to do the movies in today, since you have to bring all the oh, information? Go ahead. It doesn't matter to me. I'm flexible. And, uh, and this, suit yourself. Yeah. I'm easy. But uh, no, seriously, pick one. Let's start with Empire of the Sun, then. You want to start with Empire of the Sun? Interesting. Interesting that you would want to start there. Interesting. We'll see what that means. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Patrick, why don't you uh, why don't you give us the breakdown on Empire of the Sun? All right. This 1987 film released December 25th, so on Christmas, uh, with a 7.7 on IMDb, a 75 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, with a budget estimated at 35 million. It grossed only twenty two point two million. This was not a success. Not at all. Maybe because it was on Christmas. Would you let me ask you guys this? Would you consider it a Christmas movie? No. <laughs> I mean it has Christmas in it, but I wouldn't consider it a Christmas movie. I wouldn't consider movie. this even a holiday it's, movie. Shout out to Stork. Santa Claus, shout it? out to Stork. I consider this a Christmas movie. Uh, Stork at the old Besotted Geek podcast. This and Die Hard are my favorite Christmas movies. This and Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Hey, there's a reference for you, John. How about that? Yeah. David Bowie. Never seen it. David <laughs> Bowie. Uh, That's like a Prisoner of War camp movie, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. How did you not see that it has Bowie in it? And it's very blonde Bowie. That can he was... Really boring. You know, that was one of those movies that played like at one theater for one week, and I just didn't get around to it. <laughs> hmm. Okay. All right. Who had seen? That would you? Did you? Did uh, you see? It? Oh, I've never seen that. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying because it was Bowie was in it. I was. I was sure you had seen it. I know. Uh, let me ask you this, John. I I know you had seen Empire of the Sun before. Uh, no, I'd never seen it. You had never seen it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um. What? Had anyone else seen it? I've nope. seen like about two thirds of it. Two thirds. Okay. All right. But let's, not in order. Like I've seen majority of just clips from this movie. Okay. Uh, let's start with the, uh, well, Patrick, let's go ahead and we'll continue with your trend of you being number one. I'm always first today. It's weird. You are. 
It's weird, man. Yeah. It's weird, That's exactly man. Embrace you know it. It sounds about white. Oh. I love it. Damn. Damn. It's okay. That's uh, the only other POC. I have like, there's two of us because J- Jake's half and Justine's like, I don't know. She's got some mixed heritage there. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all, of a sudden, to- all of a sudden it got real weird. The podcast <laughs> got real weird. <laughs> wow. You got to talk about these things out in the open. That's why they're uncomfortable, guys, because we just keep not talking about it. All right. Uh, Patrick, as someone who had never had never seen the whole thing in, in order or the, the complete movie, give us your thoughts. Well, first of all, uh, Empire of the Sun is a story about it's actually based on the memoirs of uh, of uh, oh, Ballard. I can't J.G. Ballard, I believe, is the author's name. Of a geisha, and these are the his memories of of living. His family was uh, living in China uh, when it was became occupied by Japan during uh, World War II, and he was shipped off. He separated from his parents, shipped off to uh, POW camp, and um, and these are his these are his memoirs. So. Uh, played by a young Christian Bale, Christian Bale, John Malkovich are probably the two uh, the two uh, names you recognize in this cast. Very very young Christian yeah, Bale. Stiller. Ben Stiller. Oh, that's right, Ben Stiller and Joey Pants. Our friend Joey Pants yeah. is in there. Joey mm-hmm, Pantolano, mm-hmm. who we've seen in La Bamba and uh, in The Goonies so far. But uh, the two biggest names. He was a very young Ben Stiller. I even forgot he was in this. Um, but. Um, Let's talk about it. Patrick, go right ahead. You really struggle at the beginning of this movie to have any empathy for this kid because he's such a little shit. He's just an entitled little shit at the beginning of this movie. But that being said, it is a crazy just look into what he went through. And that part of the movie is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um while I, I kind of struggled with Christian Bale, I, I really was intrigued by all of the stuff that the kid went through and how he struggled to survive and how his views kind of adapted and changed as he went through things. And then to see the glare from the atom bomb is just insane. Like, how can that not change you? It's 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 a fascinating period in history, and it's crazy to get that kind of perspective of a kid going through it. Yeah, this is there's a lot of parallels to Lawrence of Arabia for me as far as the kid being kind of um, hard to there's an aloofness to him because, you know, he's grown up sheltered and he's grown up pampered and um, he has no idea how the real world works. And um, it's kind of hard to get behind a kid like that. It's not like he's some scrappy kid that's just trying to survive. But then you see how ill equipped he is to survive. And yet he does survive, so you end up with like this respect for him for being able to to pull through. And um, the, the way Spielberg um, um, uses death, like his how he handles death to like mark the passage of time, because at yeah. first when he sees you know when the first POW dies, and then you see later on how he treats death, and the doctor's just using him to help trying to try to resuscitate a patient, and how you know how kind of clinical he is about it you realize you know this kid's really moved on you know this kid's really he's seen some stuff you know yeah i mean he you definitely know by the end of the movie he has ptsd like there's no doubt about oh yeah that kid is destroyed and will need 
years of therapy to even cope with, you know. You, ha- you have to hand it to Christian Bale, even as a young actor, to be able to handle a role like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I definitely think that, you know, towards the end of it, he, he shines a lot more. Um, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with like two thirds of this movie. Mm-hmm. The first third of it, I'm just like, meh. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that as we go on. It's definitely a hard movie to embrace completely. Um, yeah. th- there's an aloofness to it that isn't that isn't um, typically Spielberg. Uh, so the, you know this, the, this is just the way it, it's handled a lot of it. But I think it, it has to do with the circumstances that there's not a lot of warmth because there, there wasn't a lot of warmth in this, this kid's life. You know, yeah. uh, even when things were good, I think he kind of had that very British, you know, upper class British you know, uh, relationship with his parents, you know, very, uh, you know, kind of a little standoffish. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but, uh, uh, I, you know, it's, it's a, definitely a beautiful movie. There's a lot of Spielberg yeah, touches in there where you, it's well shot. I mean, just like the arena scene when you get there and you see like all that stuff and he's walking through it. And then when he wakes up in there, it's, it's well shot mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's definitely one of us as a, a beautiful movie visually for sure uh jake what did you think sir never having seen empire of the sun oh god the kid is a pain in the ass in the first part of the movie <laughs> god damn i felt i it, it was it just me or did everyone feel so good when his ex-house made just smacked the shit out of him <laughs> oh that felt so good cathartic oh my god it was a beautiful moment but no, I mean, but as it goes on, um, you really get to see Christian Bale's acting chops at a young age. He did really well. But yeah, it, for me, it was just that first bit where it just they, I mean, this, this just he's just not a likable kid. Yeah, well, he's a spoiled rich kid. He's extremely spoiled, very self entitled. You know, thinks he knows everything. He's writing a book about bridge. Yeah. What is and, it? But he was great. Um, John Malkovich did a great job as Basie. Mm-hmm. Very early role for John Malkovich. Already kind of creepy. Already <laughs> creepy. <laughs> already, uh, <laughs> already, already full at peak Malkovich powers. You know, uh, <laughs> right? He's already like, oh, that's John Malkovich. And John Malkovich always looked his age. That's what's weird about John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Any any movie he's in, he looks exactly like John Malkovich, like you know, like he does there. So, um, I just saw a little bit of Space Force, and he actually does start to look a little bit older now. But um, he always looked like that for like twenty years of his career. Looked exactly like that. Um, he came out of the he came out of the womb looking like that. Yeah, just a unique looking guy to say the least. Um, good actor, a great actor, great actor. Great actor. Um, and uh, brings a lot of weight to that role, uh, you know, and essentially an unlikable character, you know. As a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot of depth to the character. Just yeah, makes him strange. Like he's strangely likable, even though you know he's just total scum. That there's like there's something mm-hmm. something about him. Yeah, that you just kind of like. Well, he's charismatic. He's charismatic. That's how he gets everybody yeah. to follow him. You know. That's why he's got uh, the position he does. You know, he's kind of the king rat kind of character. You know, uh, but yeah, definitely great, uh, great, some great acting, and it's it's amazing that uh, Christian Bale is able to kind of hold his own at a young age. You know that scene where the tables kind of turn at the end, where he's kind of looking down at Basie, and you can tell he just 
realizes that, you know, and, and basically kind of has self-realization where he, you know, he realizes that this kid has seen through him and, and, you know, and he knows that what this kid has been through and, you know, and, uh, that, that, that look on Malkovich's face, this, it, how it changes. It's like, wow. Yeah. And then, and the way he, Christian Bale's looking at him, uh, and I mean, he even, you can tell he feels responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's such a great moment. And it's like, wow, this kid is holding his own against, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's holding his own against a pretty big league actor here. So, you know, uh, again, credit to Spielberg and his directing, you know, uh, you know, he likes to direct his actors and, uh, you know, he, he I think he directed and he's, good. he's, uh, Oh, who'd we lose? We lost, uh, Patrick. Finally. <laughs> Justine, we'll, we'll, Justine, let's see if you can uh, see what's going on there while while we while we move on, and we're going to talk to uh, John Sandy about this. John Sandy, you had never seen this. What did you think, John? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's true. It's uh, he's kind of tough to take, especially at the first first half hour hour of the movie. Tough yeah. to take. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it is extraordinary what a good actor he is at such a young age. All that stuff, once they get to the camp, it's really kind of amazing. You're right. He's holding his own with uh, everybody and uh, just a hell of an actor. And he's got to carry the movie because he's in just about every shot. When you think about it, every scene, pretty much, he's in. Yeah. And so he's got to carry it. I don't know how many kids they looked at before they cast this thing, but uh, it says a lot, you know, that uh, whatever direction he got, he must have must have had the chops you know they're pretty amazing to carry a two and a half hour movie yeah and you're right john he's in pretty much every scene and um doing a lot of heavy lifting and, and dealing with complex the, stuff um, it seems like it's not like uh some kid actors just can't pull off the heavy stuff and he, he, already you can see that he's doing it i don't even know how you get a kid to handle that stuff the, how, you the, know the scene where much he, of it's training and you he, know yeah the scene where he finds his mother uh, just yeah. that scene at the Crazy. end. Patrick's back. Sorry. No, no worries. I dropped off. It was weird. The just the scene where he finds it's he, uh, it's like Patrick said he's got like post traumatic stress disorder. He's got a thousand yard stare when he finally recognizes his mom. He's got this thousand yard stare. Yeah, I mean, think of the things oh. he's seen. All the the death in the camp and uh, the atom bomb and the you know being forced you know marched and and all that stuff. I mean, even that, like the death of his one, like only real friend, that young Japanese boy is just like, oh, yeah. it's basically like the destruction of his innocence at that moment where it's just like, yeah, he's, he's truly gone. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he, never, he's never going to have a normal life. Even before that, when he was watching all the, when he was watching all the planes and bomb the, bomb the camp, you just see his entire, that's his childhood just literally just destroying everything but he loved it at the same time because he's a yeah, little yeah. kid because you know it's like these planes are flying by and you know you know he has a, he you know he has a tendency to hero worship you know because he's worshiping the the japanese pilots and he's wor- worshiping the american pilots and you know it's crazy because that's the way little yeah, kids it's weird are how it's weird how long he hangs on to that he doesn't he really doesn't get what's going on because he's he's uh you know just uh, hero worships the Japanese way past the point where he should have figured out, you know, yeah. that they're the ones causing his misery, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's very, uh, 
very uh, you know very odd screenplay. I guess it's Tom Stoppard, so he does he does some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, he's the one that did that. Uh, was it uh, Gildenstern and Rosencrantz? Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, and uh, he does some pretty heavy stuff. This is a this is an unusual script when you think about it. It's mm-hmm. not your typical World War II movie. No, and, um, for sure. And it's mm-hmm. and yeah. it's Spielberg getting. Re- you can tell it's Spielberg getting ready to do stuff like, you know, Schindler's List later on, or Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, he's yeah. he's kind of dipping his toes in the more dramatic stuff, and he can pull it off. It's just, I think the problem that this movie is, has is the same problem that. Lawrence of Arabia has in that you have a main character who is tough to embrace pretty early on, pretty early on. Right. And so there's a, there's always forces. It kind of forces the audience to kind of keep an arm's length. You know, you're watching it, but you're, you're not really embracing the main character. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So Justine, oh, sorry, John. At at the same time, what's that? No, I said, sorry, John, go ahead. Continue. I was going to cut over. No, I was just going to say at the same time, it's not like any of it rings false. You know, I don't think it's Spielberg's fault. It's just a difficult subject matter. Um, it None of it rings false. It all rings pretty true. And, and the authenticity of it is pretty striking, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, those opening opening shots of the uh, city getting bombed and all that. It just uh, the detail is just mind boggling. John, you and I always talk about how period pieces kind of fall flat when they have to do, you know, when it comes to the costuming and all that stuff. This movie nails it. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's typical yeah. Spielberg period stuff. All of the details are there. I mean, we saw it in 1941, which is a comedy. Um, Spielberg yeah. Spielberg takes that stuff very seriously, and so yeah. the, the, you never feel like it's a, it never, you never feel like it's an 80s movie you're watching. It's hard to place when it was right. made because they capture the period so well. Um, mm-hmm. And John Williams' score is amazing. It's one of John Williams' probably most underrated scores. It's a beautiful score by John Williams and. Um, yeah, it has a lot going for it. It's just it's it's hard. Somehow the movie doesn't all mesh together for me. Uh, sometimes, yeah, uh, it's, it's not an easy not an easy subject and not an easy uh, character. Yeah, but uh, it's well done. It's just it's it's difficult. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This this for yeah, me is a this for me is a definition of a when somebody says a, a movie's difficult. This is the movie that I always uh, think of. Um, yeah, but, but let's cut over to our friend Justine, see where where she's coming from. Justine, our resident World War II uh, expert, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this take uh, uh, of World War II by Steven Spielberg? I liked it. I mean, it, it was talking about the war without even it really being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, Christian Bale is just amazing as a kid, actually. Yeah. He's good at playing someone that you just are annoyed by. Mm-hmm. I honestly just didn't like him until he saw a plane, and his reaction to the plane made me fall in love with him after that. Because he was being a little kid. He was being a, a normal kid there, maybe. Well, I... It was just something that he just loved and mm-hmm. respected, and like the way he like petted and and he hugs it. Yeah, I just I loved that scene. I was like, okay, I like you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. But that scene where was it when the guy first picks him up in the truck and he just keeps talking, 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 talking. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It made me laugh because what does Frank say? I already regret this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and um, 
yeah, when he comes back to the house and sees all those, he thought his mom was there, but that guy's just wearing his robe, his mom's robe, and they get captured. That was pretty heartbreaking for the other two, for mm-hmm. John Malkovich and the other guy. Yeah. That's why you don't listen to a kid. It was just weird to see everyone so young. Mm-hmm. John Malkovich and that, I don't know if that actor's name, but he's in everything as a bad guy. Joe, um, <laughs> Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see him soon. We're gonna see him again in a couple of weeks. But uh, he's like in every movie. Yeah, well, he's in the Goonies. He's one of the brothers. He's in. Uh, he was the he was the uh, record producer in La Bamba. That's where we yeah. see him. So risky far. business. Yeah. Oh yeah. Porter and Daredevil. That's right. And I like him in this as not really a bad guy. I love when um, John Malkovich is cooking the food and gives the food to Christian Bale instead of giving it to him. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he just gets the shit end of the stick every time. Poor Frank. <laughs> then he kicks him out yeah. later on. Less food. But I love, I love the whole that the whole boiling water thing went on throughout the whole movie. <laughs> he always had boiling water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water. He had that sanitized water, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, it broke my heart when that lady died, and he looks up at the sky. I forgot what he said when she. He thinks it's her leaving. Uh, Mrs. Um, I think he says his, he says her name. And yeah, he, yeah. He thinks it's it's her soul. Mrs. Yeah. Victor. Mrs. Victor. That's yeah. what it is. And then as soon as he hears that on the radio, and he's like, "I saw it." I'm like, "Dude, that's so crazy to even see that." That's crazy, right? So, um, yeah, it was just that part was like, and the way they they showed it looked really good too. I'm not quite sure how they did that, but it was amazing. Yeah, and um, and then you hear that mm-hmm. uh, the later on the radio they say Nagasaki was was uh, was is basically Japan's gateway to China. So you know that it would have been, you know, he would have been close enough to see it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it looks good. It doesn't look old. Doesn't look dated. It looks really good. Um, mm-hmm. That Asian kid too, like that broke my heart too. Um. Oh. And he's like in the mud. I, I swear that guy saw him and he was in the mud and pointing the gun at him. I'm like, he sees him. He's looking right at him. I don't know. You, but it it, it's a heartbreaking moment because you're right. It was like his, his only true friend, his only friend that was close in age. You know? Yeah. And, and well, he they, had, they have the same interest to, to like, yeah. you could tell if they'd met under different circumstances, they would have been best friends. And then obviously the tragedy of the kid being young, but the Japan desperate because the war is, they're losing the war. And so they press him into service to be a kamikaze pilot. Cause that's what those guys were doing at the end. Those were kamikaze pilots yeah. that were going up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so you're this poor, you know, this kid grew up on the base, obviously somebody's kid, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's not a soldier. He lives on the base there. Somebody's kid. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe they had him there as like a you know a porter or something, and and uh, and uh, yeah, now it, guess what? You get to be a kamikaze pilot, you know. And um, the he one gets indoctrinated. The the one scene that that always stands out to me though is the uh, the attack on the on the airfield when the when the P fifty ones come in. That's such a well done scene and looks extremely God, amazing. Uh, and oh looks, yeah, and I look, read about that. Yeah, it's it's incredible how that was done and looks super realistic, and you're like. That's where you kind of see, oh, Spielberg could do a realistic war movie. And so you kind of see the the blueprint for Saving Private Ryan later on. I kind of feel like in that scene, because it's not yeah. done in a way that's, it doesn't glorify anything. It, it's very, no, looks, it's like that flyby. It's, it's, so ma- it's very matter of fact. 
And then they said that Christian Bale was like scared during that. Mm-hmm. He was so close. So um, they were trying to get him to be hyped up and be happy, but he was just terrified that the planes being that low. So they had to try and like film it and try and angle it correctly. So it looks like he's happy to see the planes, but he's really not. Wow. Hmm. That's crazy. From his back. I think kind of shoot it from the back. Yeah. Yeah. That is a crazy scene. Uh, logistically, I don't know how they did that. It, uh, it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah, no, I, that it's, it's, I'm glad you liked it, Justine. I, I was, I had you in mind the whole time, honestly, when I, when yeah, I knew this was coming end, up. At the end, when it said Steven Spielberg, I was like, this is a Steven Spielberg movie. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, <wow>. his name. <laughs> I just didn't remember his name showing up in the beginning part. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think surprised. it did. This. I didn't see it either. No, they just, no, no credits. Of- no credits at the beginning. Yeah, they yeah, just... I was shocked at the very end. I was like, oh, shit. Good job. Yeah. It's a two and a half hour movie, so it makes sense. There's no intro credits. Yeah, well, you know, you know what you're there to see. <laughs> you know, people that were, people that were going to go see this knew what they were getting into. I think so. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. This is hard to place in the Spielberg canon. You know, a lot of people put it high. Some people put it low. Um, to me, it's a beautifully made film. It's just like John said, the subject matter makes it hard for you to want to watch it over and over to really get to know it. It's mm-hmm. like it's like Schindler's List in a way. I mean, not you don't nearly feel as great brutal after watching it. No, it's definitely a draining experience. Um, but I'll tell you what scene gets but me. It's also oh, it's good? an education because yeah, it's, you, it's, you it's see what people for sure. went through. It's, it's draining, but in light. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, and then you get a you get a perspective like like Justine said, it's a war movie that doesn't really show you the war, and it shows mm-hmm. you a perspective a perspective that you don't think about. It's like, what about yeah. foreigners living in another country when Japan shows up? Like, what you know, there were probably you know all these colonies that you know the Dutch had and the English had, and all these you know, and you know the Japanese show up, and it's like, what happens to those people? You hear about what happens to like the soldiers. You hear about things like the Bataan Death March and things like that, but you don't hear about what happens to the civilians. So this is an interesting, you know, story from that point of view, but, uh, or somebody surprised. that spends the whole war in a, in a concentration camp. You know? Yeah, exactly. What were you saying, Justine? I'm just surprised like that. He even got to see his parents. I didn't even think that was going to be possible. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. How, they never really tell you what happens, wh- wh- where the parents are. They obviously, they may have escaped, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that's in the book. We'll have to read they it. They not tell you how long it is either. Like how long he's waiting? Well, it's. I mean, he goes all the way to the end, so forty-five. Well, so no, but I mean, after the war. Oh yeah, a few years, right? A few years, I imagine at least him going through all that. Yeah, maybe crazy. I mean, he he had to have been in the camp at least, you know, five years, six years. I mean, that Japan invaded China in the thirties, so he could have been there even longer. Uh, well, at the beginning, it's supposed to be forty-one, right? When they open, it's forty-one. Is it forty-one? Okay. Like the credits say, uh, that's what it says. Is oh, okay. it's forty-one? So, yeah. So what I get for not paying attention for sure. And I'm sure they shot this in, in uh, orders because he he's looking much older by the end of the film. Man, I'll tell you the scene that gets me is when they're sending off the kamikaze pilots and he starts singing. That always gets me. Man. Yeah, that, oh. that always like ah, uh, that's always a that that's a brutal. that's a Spielberg oh, yeah. that's a Spielberg moment to be sure. 
when he started and then the singing, song... I was like, and then he did Newsies. <laughs> <laughs> and then the song continues and he stops singing. So like they play it over and it just, it makes it so much more powerful. And then the plane blows up and then the Americans yep. are here and he's right back to loving <laughs> the Americans. The, yeah. <laughs> that explosion with the plane, you really don't expect like that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. He, he goes from worshiping one to then being like, like John said, he doesn't realize that this is the source of his misery. You know, he doesn't quite get it. He's not old enough. He to really kind of... just cares about the plane. Exactly. Um, all right, guys, let's rank this one. Empire of the Sun, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Justine, what do you give it? I give it a nine. Nice. Uh, Patrick? I'm going to give it a seven. Seven. Jake? Uh, I'm also going to give it a nine. Oh, man. All right. John Sandy. Uh, give it an eight. It's a difficult movie, but it's uh, beautifully made and beautifully acted. So, um, yeah, solid eight. Yeah, I'm going to I'm, I'm with John. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, you know, there's some stuff that keeps me from giving it a, a perfect 10. But it's definitely if you if you're exploring Spielberg and, you know, this might be one that that. You know, people don't talk about as much, but it's definitely because of the subject matter worth checking out. It's just kind of yeah. hard because like we talked about, it's just a character that's hard to embrace at first. But as you go through the movie, obviously, you're going to get more and more. And that's the nice thing yeah. about this movie is you do get drawn into a story. It's not yeah. like and it, I think I think that's why that kind of holds it back for me and that why it's a seven. It's just that first third of the movie where you really dislike him. It's it's difficult. And you know what? Uh, one of Spielberg's all-time favorite movies is Lawrence of Arabia. So I think he knows the problems baked into a movie like this where you're not going to be real close to the lead character. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good. I, I'm glad you guys liked it, though. I'm glad that yeah. uh, I'm glad that we and so you saw that I put together kind of a kind of a end of World War II double feature. Uh, it just kind of happened that way, but uh, these two movies were released pretty close to each other. Uh, this is uh, that was a good matchup. Yeah, this is a both movies not really about the war. Yeah, you know, not really about the war at all, but uh, kind of take place during the well, war. It's people in the periphery, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to move on to, Bilo- to Biloxi Blues, and uh, my man Patrick is going to give us the breakdown. This 1988 film released on March 25th, uh, directed by Mike Nichols, screenplay by Neil Simon. The original budget for this film was $20 million, and it grossed a whopping $51.6 million. Wow. And got a six point six on IMDb and a seventy percent on or seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, guys, Biloxi Blues. Had anyone seen this? Johnny, have you seen this before? Uh, actually, when it came out, I saw it twice. I liked it so much, I went back. I saw it twice in the theater. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, it's that Neil Simon writing, and uh, you, I love Neil Simon. Yeah, you get a you get a young Matthew Broderick. Uh, so uh, this is this is post Ferris Bueller. I think this is his first big role after Ferris this Bueller's Day sequel. Off. This is the sequel to Ferris, to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There is a Neil Simon trilogy. I forgot what the other two plays are, but it's uh, uh, 
Brighton Beach. That's what Brighton it is. Beach memoirs and uh, Broadway Bound. Yeah, are all. It's like a. It's like a trilogy about Neil Simon's life, and those were all made. Is right. they were all made into films. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about it. Who did anyone aside from John seen this movie? Mm. No. No. Yeah. Justine, let's start with you, because uh, you're. No. Uh, you, you don't want to go first. <laughs> no, I'll go first. What, 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 um, this is now. This is basically a story about uh, Neil Simon's uh, time in the army. He was drafted in uh, late in the war, and went through basic training and uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, by the, the the we'll we'll go ahead and spoil the movie a little bit. Uh, they're getting ready to ship off to uh, uh, Japan. And uh, by the time they're done with basic training, the war ends. So this is uh, this is Neil Simon's time in the army, waiting to go to World War II, not knowing that he's eventually not going to have to go. But these are kind of based on his uh, his memoirs of that time. So Justine, take it away. This is another film that doesn't show war, but taking place during it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like both films doing that. Um, I'm convinced that Matthew Broderick is constantly going to talk in his movies. <laughs> um, like watching it, I was like, oh, we're doing this again. Got it. <laughs> um, Christopher Walken is first. I was like, oh, okay, I guess he wasn't creepy when he was younger. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> and I was like, he's not that bad. And he would kind of get mad at them. I'm like, I'm not even scared. Yeah. Then, um, you, you, you've already seen Full Metal Jacket. What, you know? You've... Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like, okay. It's creepy. <laughs> this guy's creepy all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that Matthew Broderick's character's. Um, just a really smart. I don't know if he was going to be a journalist. I don't know, but he was. I just thought he was really smart in the way he worded his diary. Well, he's he's Neil Simon. Served everyone. He's Just Neil Simon. Serving everyone. So he's going to be yeah. a playwright. Yeah, so he's going to be a playwright. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was just him watching or him like them reading it. I was just like, wow, I really like that. And I liked his character. Um, <laughs> I love when he sleeps with that lady. <laughs> and all of the men smell the scene is so great. <laughs> <laughs> um the movie was the movie was um okay, I would say. It felt really long. Like why are we still like in this same spot? Because we weren't moving anywhere, we were in the same spot. You, and I I think that kind of bothers me a little you bit. You bring up a but, good point, Justine, and the, I think the reason that is is because you're watching what was originally a play. And so it's uh, limited. It show much. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. it's limited in, in where it takes place, and that's the one big drawback about this movie is that it it doesn't quite feel like a movie. It feels more like yeah. You're, I, yeah. Well, yeah, I get that because most plays usually at the most have like five or six scenes of different locations mm-hmm. that you go to. Yeah. At the most, yeah, because you remember you have a set to deal with, so no. you uh, you know, but. Uh, um, that, yeah, that is my one my one knock against this movie. The 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 flip side of that is it's full of really great dialogue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really good little wisecracks and very Neil Simon jokes, like when he keeps complaining about how hot it is. It's really hot. It's it's Africa hot. Tarzan <laughs> couldn't think this kind yeah, of hot. I didn't think it was going to be know. this hot. Yeah, did you think it was going to be that that's hot? The thing about Neil Simon. 
he could just write these wonderful little one-liners, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's filled with stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, I thought this was going to be more USO girls and donuts. It's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Go ahead. Yeah, but I I mean, they touched on a lot of subjects, too, with him thinking that guy was gay and then that other guy being gay. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot. Mm -hmm. I was heartbroken and. And it, then I felt bad about his diary. Like I was like, "Man, why didn't you lock it? Oh, he left the key. Why'd you do that?" I was just so mad at him. Mm-hmm. But, um, I thought it was a good movie. Christopher Walken actually does not stand out to me in this movie. The only reason why he stood out was just at the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, like, it's not something I remember. You don't like the line no. about putting putting them up against a, a Nazi cocktail waitress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes he's got some good lines that makes me laugh i love how he how cool he is when he comes out hi how you doing hi how are you hey how's it going um and he's just so mellow and then all of a sudden he just gets all i love the 10 hut <laughs> but i love that he doesn't He's not one of those. He's not like a Clint Eastwood, or he's not like a. He bullies in a different way. It's all manipulation. It's like what you want. You want. You want him to do the push-ups? Oh, that's the biggest guy in the in the company. Yeah, <laughs> I, a I, different kind of drill sergeant. Yeah, he's a very psychologically menacing I mean, drill sergeant. And I have an issue with that last part because the guy is able to run away. Why wouldn't you go to someone who's higher? Why go to your troop? It just doesn't make and they're just waiting outside the door it was just all like i was like why didn't we get anyone else in there to help you guys out um so then they're, at the end i was like i guess it's they not didn't want to get shot too you know they didn't want to get impressionable dumb young men mm-hmm. so i just felt like i guess it wasn't that serious and then when they were talking about what they're going to do with him i'm like oh he's going to do those push steps well there's another thing that's just it just at the very end they kind of lost me they lost me there. All right. It all happened. It all really happened. That's what he said. Remember, he says that. He said it all really happened. So <laughs> you gotta, you're arguing with the truth there, my Republican friend. Um, so hey, look, how about it? Be, <laughs> what's great about that? It's all true. And at the end, he says, if they make this into a movie, maybe I'll, I'll change that one line about getting the freebie. With, from, uh, <laughs> Rowena. <laughs> oh, I love Rowena. What a, what a Rowena. <laughs> Come to mama. I love that. Come to mama. <laughs> Could you say something other than mama? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to Patrick. Patrick, what did you think of Biloxi Blues? Or Biloxi um, Blues, depending on where. I I really enjoyed the dialogue in this movie. I didn't mind the fact that he was narrating again. Mm-hmm. I like Matthew Broderick and his style of narration. It, it's very fluid and uh, calm. And so I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um but it's a fascinating movie. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a more of a cerebral and psychological movie about the experience than anything else. And it's, it's, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's, and it had good humor too. It's very funny, um, but definitely very light. Like uh, you know, like like Justine said, a lot of these you have long scenes that take place in one, and you kind of get that in the Odd Couple too. But they kind of you know the, the the poker game in the beginning is obviously you know. That's that's like well, one they try rock. to open. They, they always try to open them up a little bit. You can always tell it's from a play, but they try to open it up. You know, get you out in a car or something, mm-hmm. you know, or a jeep or 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there's probably stuff that's added for the, you know, you know, I'm sure you couldn't do the, some of the marching stuff and all that stuff in the play, you know, that's, you know, it's probably hard to mm-hmm. do, but, uh, you know, they kind of added some of those scenes that kind of give you a little bit of more of the basic training flavor, but, uh, you know, coming after a movie like, you know, like full metal jacket, this why was in production around the same time, you know, you, you, now you have a, you know, you have a high, a high to hit as far as those basic training scenes and they take it a different way. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a different way. Cause you're focusing. It's, it's going, I think it's going for a, this is a more personal thing. It's you're going for a different reaction. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, not so much. It's not while, you know, inhumanity of war, you know? Well, you can definitely believe that those things happened in full metal jacket. This doesn't take as much buy-in from the audience. I think to believe that these things happen. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Like it's it, from the get go. It's definitely like, Hey, this makes perfect sense. I definitely believe that, you know, these four guys went to the same whorehouse. Yeah. The same hooker. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's for sure something you can, you can, uh, believe it. You know, the one thing I'm bummed about is that I just wanted more with the Penelope, Penelope and Miller character, because that five minute scene where they're dancing, they have such good chemistry. Yeah. They have such yeah. great chemistry, and I believed every second that those two people were falling in love. Like, I believed it. I really did. I really bought it. I was like, yeah. these two people have, like, good chemistry. Like, as actors, they're really selling it. And uh, you got to give it up and to not a word is not a word is spoken. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just talking about their lives, you know, and uh, it's, it's really, really well done. And then, you know, they, of course, being a play, you kind of montage it and you say, oh, we saw each other. That They probably didn't ever show her again in the play. She was probably like one. That was her one scene. But they yeah. show they show the scene of her. Um, I love the joke about he says she says her name is uh, what's her name? Uh, Hannigan. Her last name is forgot her her name but she had a really beautiful name yeah hannigan yeah and yeah, he's, he's like that's the most beautiful name i've ever heard and then at the end he's like her last name is now horowitz i love that that's such a neil simon <laughs> that's such a neil simon line um mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot really really going on with the dialogue like you said patrick but uh yeah i, I think the dialogue is the best part of this movie mm-hmm uh yeah. That's what you would expect from Neil Simon. That's what you would expect, yeah. you know. Because visually, there's not much that happens in this movie that really like is a scene that grabs you. It's more about what's being spoken about and talked about. And I think that's why you get a guy like Mike Nichols to do it, uh, John. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Who's kind of a, absolutely, yeah, Christ, you know, top of the line. You know, it doesn't get any better than that, you know. Yeah. So when you have a scene like them dancing, he's able to really. It's you know they're both making eyes at each other. The music's playing, but he's really able to shoot that like it's like a like a dream sequence. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful, and that's what you get from a Mike Nichols, you know. Yeah, where you might not get that in the play, you know, you, it, it 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 might be done with a dialogue, and there you you need a more visual guy to do it. Uh, all right, let's go to my man Jake. Jake, what did you think of uh, Biloxi Blues? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, it's just. The way, just the way it's shot, or not the way it's shot, we're just with, um, oh my God, I can't think. Matthew Broderick being um, narrator does kind of make it feel like a Ferris Bueller. And I think he ends up being in this kind of role for a while. Yeah, he gets stuck in that fourth wall 
you can, at least for a little bit. I, I think in a lot of ways, Ferris Bueller hurt Matthew Broderick because he, he looked young and people just wanted that kind of performance out of him. But he had his roots in the stage. And so this is something that I think he felt very probably gravitated towards and feels it feels very natural for him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those scenes where he's in the in the like in the bunks you know, when they're reading his, his dialogue or they're reading his diary and all that uh, are really good. You know, he's, he's really good at handling them and he's asking him, please don't read that. You know, please. I don't. mean, even when he like enters the set and then exits the set feels like a play. Yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, definitely. But uh, I felt like Matthew Broderick was kind of comfortable with that, though. So it kind of yeah. lends to the performance. I feel like it, it definitely lends to the performance. Um, did I you- think he had done. Um, I think he had done the play. I think Matthew Broderick had been in the play of this. Oh, if you look it maybe. up. So that's why he's so good. He'd been in this. and I think he'd also been in the Torch Song trilogy. He'd been in about three Neil Simon plays before they made this movie. So I think he was very at home with the material. Oh, very and, nice. uh, and Mike Nichols, Mike Nichols had directed The Odd Couple, so he knows his way around a Neil Simon script, you know. So yeah. you couldn't have asked for two better people. Yeah. Uh, so, Jake, did you uh, did you like the dialogue? Was it funny? Was it funny enough for you? Did you like? How did you feel about your man Christopher Walken in this one? Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. That was pretty good. Um, Christopher Walken is just. It's a, it does feel a little toned down because it is a little earlier in his career. <laughs> I feel like usually it's when he's more front and center is when he starts to get real weird. But, um, <laughs> but what, what was the scene? It's the um, the it's the whole roll call scene. I thought was so funny. <laughs> oh ho! Yeah ho! Yeah, Arnold B. Ho ho! Arnold Epstein's company. Oh no, Sergeant, but I heard more than one howl. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, or when he was talking, yeah, we need to talk. When he was, what was it? I forget what he was saying. He was saying something, and he's like, Wow, he said that all in one sentence, Sergeant. Or something. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different performance from Christopher Walken, but still, I think what you he's very understated. The menace is there, but he's very understated about it, mm-hmm. you know, and you really see it when he's. Drunk and vulnerable and just now that scene. Now you want to talk about a scene that really turns the whole thing. Boy, does it get really intense and uncomfortable. And and both he and Matthew Broderick are just acting their asses off in that scene. Um, You know, again, that's got to be a hard scene. And you do feel like he could shoot. Like, you're not sure if he's going to shoot him or not. You're like, yeah, yeah. You don't really know till the end that he's just trying to make a man out of me. He's got two problem people and he's determined to make the last thing he does is to turn them into soldiers. No matter what happens, you, you don't really grasp that, that it was, he was trying to do You know, something desperate to turn them into soldiers at the last minute, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's why, I think that's why they didn't turn him over to the MPs. You know, they think they kind of grasped that by the time he got the gun away from him. Yeah. Yeah, and he heard the fantasy, so he knew what Epstein That's would right. he, he he knew what Epstein would want to do, you know. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was kind of a nice yeah. send off for him. You know, you're right, John. He knew he was gonna he knew he was retiring, and he couldn't leave it undone. Like they don't really go into that, but that's really what it is. He knew he was gonna. You reti- know, when he releases his hand, when, when his hand releases the gun, you realize, okay, 
at some point he's just going to let him take the gun so he can do what he's got to do, you know? Yeah. Not even that. It was when he was, when he grabbed the gun, his finger was off the trigger. So he knew he yeah. wasn't going to do it at that point. But. Yeah, but Matthew Broderick didn't know that. Eugene didn't nope. know that. Yeah. Eugene yeah. did not know that. Yeah. That is a, that is a really good scene. Huge. That, huge. That is a really good scene, and uh, and Christopher Walken. You, that's where you need the Christopher Walken, and he comes through, you know. And uh, oh man, he's so. I feel mad. like someone complimented him, and he was like, "I'll do that the rest of my life." <laughs> no, you know, you know what? We didn't watch View to a Kill, which is one of the worst James Bond movies. Shout out to Brent from the Home Video Hustle. He's gonna take issue with that, but it is. Uh, and he's the villain in that. He's very Christopher Walken. And that's 84. That's 84. So he's already at peak Christopher Walken power. I, I got a theory about Christopher Walken. Uh, and it's the same thing that happened to Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson. Early in their career, they're very understated. It's very, they really are just giving very nuanced performances. And as they get older and they play broader characters and bigger movies, they start going a little more over the top. They get a little hammy. And it happened to all three of them. And you see early Al Pacino before Scarface. You see Jack Nicholson before Batman. And those are not over-the-top performances. And with Christopher Walken, it's the same thing. If you look at his filmography, he he can play unsettling characters, but he doesn't go over the top until he gets to, like, Pulp Fiction, you know? It's like, or, uh, true, or True Romance. Uh, so this is an uncomfortable performance. It kind of makes you feel creepy, but it's very nuanced. It's very understated. Yes. And it's later that, that he it, he kind of goes mm-hmm. the way of Nicholson and Pacino, where they, they start kind of like mugging and, and making it more over the top. He had a big ass. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about Pacino <laughs> in The Godfather or Serpico. Yeah. He's just like so quiet. And then by the time you get to something like Scarface, he's just chewing the scenery up, you know, mm-hmm. he's barking. You know? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, we'll see a so, little. We'll see a little bit of that with Christopher Plummer in uh, yeah. in uh, Undiscovered Country, John. Exactly. We're going to see that. We're definitely going to see that. Yeah, it will make you long for the days of God. Um, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something about Christopher Walken. The first time you ever see him in a movie, I think it's like Annie Hall, and he's got two lines, and he's already creepy. Two <laughs> lines, you know. And it's everybody remembers his scene. It's just like Jesus. Who is this guy? You know, it's really early in his career. Yeah, you know? I love it. I feel like Christopher Walken takes his script when he gets it. He erases all of the punctuation. <laughs> And then just starts randomly putting them around. Just like he went, Jake, that's, Jake, you know what? Uh, he did an interview once and he said that's exactly what he does. He erases all the punctuation. He doesn't want <laughs> It's amazing you said that. He doesn't want to be told where to take a pause. So he t- gets rid of every comma and period and he just takes it from there and it, it, it shows, you know? That's the Shatner oh School God. of Acting. That's it's you amazing. It. You, 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 it's amazing you picked up on that because he, he admitted to that. He says, I don't want to be told where to to take a pause in the, in the script. (laughs) That's crazy. That's Uh, like, that's like driving with no traffic signals. That's just like driving. Yeah. I I stop when I want to. Okay. You're not going to tell me to stop. (laughs) It's pretty ballsy. ballsy. You gotta be pretty good. (laughs) Studis. There's something out on the wing, a man. Like that. That's the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Shatner does the same thing. You know? yeah. I think, I think they, I think they had like, 
I think they had a little time to just chit chat for a little bit. And has, have they ever been in a movie together? That needs to happen. Someone needs they to put traded, a, yeah. they traded. Yeah, I would lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd probably just die of laughter. Why? Yeah. Bill, What's going on? Well, yeah. <laughs> Shatter and and. Uh, oh Jesus! Can you imagine ordering lunch, Bill? Bill? Yeah, no. Bill. I. Uh, I enjoy the manicotti, you know, and then it's like, oh, I love it. And then Shatner responding. The waitress, the waitress Fine, would be like, I don't have all day, people. Oh, Italian <laughs> kind of stroke. Oh, I love it. Uh, all right, John, did it hold up for you? You saw this before, and uh, did it hold up? Yeah, it, it definitely held up. You know, this when you're watching a good Neil Simon movie, uh, the star of the movie is the dialogue. And so this is like in the tradition of the odd couple. The star is the dialogue. And if you can find people that can pull it off, then you, you can't lose. And I think that shows you how good Matthew Broderick is. So it's just, you know, it's a great marriage of material with actor. And uh, when I looked this up and saw that he had done like three Neil Simon plays before this, and one of them was Biloxi Blues, uh, it kind of shows you, yeah, he knows this character. Well, also, and, um, the, you know, it's not just that it's everybody in this movie, even the smaller characters, you know, Hennessy and all those guys are all really great. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's good with the material. Every, and Epstein is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, it, you, you don't know what the you don't know what to make of any of these characters. They're really three dimensional. You know, even like the ones that are like the one that's kind of a bonehead, there's more going on there, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, with, with Epstein, there's more going on. And with Hennessy, there's definitely more going on. Mm-hmm. And he has to kind of like it's just very interesting, all the things he wrote about him, you know, and then he realizes later that Hennessy was the only one that stuck up, uh, stood up for him twice when they took his uh, yeah. journal. And then before, you know, he's the only guy that uh, and here he is going off to Leavenworth. For ten years, and for what? You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, because he was gay, and that's that's and it, yeah. it, it shows you. And then I love the line where he says, uh, "You know, it, it." He says, um, "He says I don't." It bothers me that that Epstein possibly being homosexual bothers me. Like he has a he has a oh, he has a good he's moral. Bothered that yeah. he's, bothered. he's bothered that he's bothered. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a great line. Yeah, yeah that's a line that really stays with you. You know, it, it bothers me that it bothers me. Yeah. You know, because it's, um, it goes to show you that he's like an evolving, you know, all this writing is making him sort of evolve, you know. Mm-hmm. And then also when he says uh, what he says, my God, you know, you write something down. Everybody thinks it's true. And it, he says, from now on, I'm going to look at this completely differently. I'm going to be very careful because people think if you wrote it down, it must be true. And yeah. you could do a lot of damage that way, you know. Yeah. And uh, look where we are now, uh, you know. Exactly. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, geez, you, know, you should play this over the, uh, the loudspeaker at Fox News or something. <laughs> here but, we are. Um, here we are. Seventy years later, you know. But um, it's um, it's all great. I, I it held up beautifully. I just I like it. I like the whole damn movie. What did you think of the music, Mario? That that opening shot when they're playing "High How the uh, Yeah How High the Moon." I love it. You know, all the all the period music is great. You know, "Memories of You" by Benny Goodman's in there. There's all kinds of great tunes and. Um, yeah, what they, is it they're dancing to? The big, the big scene with Penelope Ann Miller when they're dancing. What is that? I think it's to? "How High the Moon." They they, they bring it back. They, bring, oh, it they back, bring it back. They bring it back from the theme. Yeah, they bring it back from the theme. I don't know when that was recorded. That opening shot. That opening shot on the train when you hear it, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, my favorite year when you hear. Um, oh, Stardust. Stardust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it really it sets the tone for the entire movie. 
and um, just they, seeing you know the, them on the train crossing the bridge, and it just uh, it's a perfect marriage of music and image. You know, yeah, really great scene. Uh, a lot of a lot of you know for for being a mostly uh, for this movie being mostly dialogue, those two scenes, the opening scene and then the scene where they're dancing really kind of stand out visually. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. That have no dialogue. <laughs> Boy, it made me miss, it made me miss the, the, the peak of Penelope, Penelope Ann Miller. You know, she, she well, kind of, you know, you know <laughs> I, I think I, I had a crush on her, uh, you know, think about big top peewee and she was in the shadow. Yeah. She had a moment. I think, uh, I think she was in, um, Carlito's way too. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. Um, she was she was somebody I thought was going to have a big big career, but it was just sort of like a brief moment, and then you just never heard from her again. Yeah, she was in the era of the. We had a lot of three na- actresses with three names. There was like Mary Stuart Masterson. <laughs> there was uh, Penelope Ann Miller. There was quite a few of them, and she was one of them. But she Mary was Mary Catherine Stewart. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Matt, well, Matthew Broderick married one of them. <laughs> Yeah, he married SJP, you know. Yeah, we had that going on. But yeah, uh, I always liked this movie. It was, I always thought it was funny. Uh, I do love the way they handled certain things. Um, very deep script, and uh, there's a lot going on. You know, a lot of social social issues that are being discussed that, you know, probably weren't talked about back in those days, but he was writing about them and already thinking about them back then. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I, you know, and, you know, he's a likable character. You know, he's a likable, yeah. he's a great narrator. Yeah. You kind of want to be, it's the opposite of the, of uh, Christian Bale's character where you want to spend time with this guy. You know what I mean? Yes. He's yeah. obviously sharp and funny yeah. and, and, you know, he has a funny way about looking at the world and, oh my God, when she says, uh, you have a birthday look, is it your birthday today? I love that scene. <laughs> you know, I, uh, uh, man, she was just so Might good. Might as well be. Yeah, she was so good in that in that little five five minutes that she was in it. She was fantastic. So um, you're right. You know, it's funny. I thought she was in the movie longer. In my memories of the movie, she was in it much longer. And I'm like, Jesus, that was like five minutes. You know? Yeah, Rowena probably has a bigger part if you think about it. That scene, and is- she was uh, great. I thought she was really great. That whole scene, just sort of like, all right, now take it easy. Your knees on my chest now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, honey. Just talks him through it. Um, I love how he's all. I just want to get it over with. It's not. This doesn't have to be the greatest experience of my life. I just want to get it over with. I love when the other guy comes out. He's like, I peaked early. What did he say? Oh I, yeah, I didn't make, like, it, I didn't make it to the bed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. All right, let's rank Paluxy Blues. John, we'll start with you. I give it a nine. It's it's a personal favorite. I give it a nine. All right. Uh, let's see, Jake. Let's give it a seven and a half. Seven point five. Uh, Patrick. Eight. Patrick is it an eight? Justine. Uh, I give it a six. Ooh, it's just it's on par with Casablanca. That's not a it's not, pretty good. It's pretty not good. Bad. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a solid seven for me for uh, for Biloxi Blues. A solid seven. Yeah. So that was the end of uh, that's World War Two week, guys. Well, peripheral World War Two week. Uh, didn't see a lot of combat, but uh, you know, we saw some things. We spent some time with some characters, 
as we do I'll every week. Seen some shit. Justine, what's up for next week? What's on tap in the Digital Movie Club? In, uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Bull Durham starring Kevin Costner or Dennis Quaid, depending on who you ask, here on the podcast. <laughs> And coming to America. Wow. Did we hold on. Wait wait a second. Wait a second. I gotta check something real quick. Talk amongst yourself. No, don't take away coming to America. He probably wants to pair it up with something else. Yeah, probably. After that, it's a fish called Wanda. Midnight run. They live police story two. Don't ruin the surprise. Who ruined it? I'm listening. I hope, uh, I hope you stick with this because I actually have both of them. It's, these are like trickling in by mail order. Yeah, Mario, don't screw it up for John. Don't you do it. No, don't, I'm not don't be it that up. guy. I'm not screwing it up because John will have this movie, but we should. I feel like we skipped one, and I just want to make sure of the order. Yeah, we skipped. I know the one we skipped. <laughs> Which one, John? When you want it? <laughs> oh, no. You, I, actually, I was joking, but you actually said we are going to watch Matinee, aren't we? Oh, that's until the 90s. Oh, is that a 90s? Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's like okay. 92, 93. Was it like 90? We're, we're in 1988. Yeah. Okay. We're getting so 1988, close. another summer. That is not how that song goes. Uh, let's see here. We're going to take a quick look at the list, guys. Please uh, bear with us. Um. Yeah, guys, uh, this has been a great uh, experiment so far. The '80s have been wonderful to us. I feel like we mm. really. Uh, what? What? What didn't? What? Wonderful. You don't think the '80s have been wonderful? What's been wrong with the '80s? Uh, they've been okay. They've been amazing, and you know it. We've been okay. What? What haven't you liked in the I, '80s? It's funny because. I was not looking forward to the '80s. I forgot how many good movies there were in the '80s. I, I was kind of assuming they were all going to be kind of. You know, I'd forgotten just how many great movies were in the 80s. We skipped a movie because it's not on this service that I have. I have it in my Google Play movies. And uh, we need to pick it up. But we'll we'll stick with next week. We'll stick with the... Um, we'll stick with what we have so far on the schedule because that's what we have. But from two weeks from now... Uh, what do we have for two weeks from now, uh, Justine? Two weeks from now... Is Coming to America a fish called Wanda? Coming no, to- we're doing Coming to America next week. Mm, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. A fish called Wanda and Midnight Run. Okay. Miss, a fish called Wanda and Midnight Run. Those are both 88? Yes. Okay. We'll be okay then. Um, let's do this. For th- uh, three weeks from now, we'll keep that as is. And then uh, for three weeks from now, what do we have there, Justine? This is all very boring. They- Internal stuff, I'm sorry. They Live, mm-hmm. Police Story 2, 1988. Okay, so we're good for now. Um, they Live is 88. Okay, we can do this. What we're going to do is we're going to do, we'll add it to the end. We have Major League coming up. So during Major League Week, we're going to, we're going to, oh, who's that? Who is that? Uh, we lost Jake. His okay. Okay. Uh, during Major League Week, we're going to add uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. We miss skir- Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, John. Okay. I have it on a different service. I have it on a different. It's not in my. Uh, in my. It's on. It's on a different. Different digital. I bought that digital copy, and it's not in with the rest of mine. There's a couple I have like that, and I have to 
Remember to check you know them what? Um, Most of this stuff is available on Google Play, and I can watch stuff on Google Play. So if I'm ever really stuck, I'll just watch it on per- Google Play. Perfect. But we're good for now. Just make a note, Justine, for Major League, we're going to add um, – We'll do Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in Major League in the same weekend. All right. I already did it. Because we're going to be... She's on top of it. In 89, we added a couple things, too, because we also have another James Bond movie coming up with your man, Timothy Dalton. Bum, bum, but that's bum. not until 89. 89 is going to be fantastic. It's going to be off the hook. We're going to get a return of Matthew Broderick. We're getting a return of Michael J. Fox. We're getting a, mature, a return of Meg Ryan. We're getting our first Spike Lee movie. We're getting our first uh, superhero movie. So let's get excited. Uh, Are we? That would have been 70, 78. If we, if we had done Superman, it would have been 78. We, I think Dick we missed Tracy? it. Dick Tracy uh, won't be Morgan in. Said we're not doing Dick Tracy because uh, it's got Stephen Sondheim music. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch it for Justine. We'll throw it in there. <laughs> just watch the five minutes of That's it great. that don't have Stephen Sondheim and you'll be okay. Yeah, you guys. Know, we could just fast forward through the music, you know. No, but then you get you miss all the Madonna money shots. You know, it's not that it's it's not even like it's a musical. What is it like? Two musical numbers, maybe the two really long, long. <laughs> I'm doing my Charlie Callis strong. Um, hey, um, are we going to do uh, all of the Back to the Future movies? Oh yeah, we got part two coming all up. Right. What? All right. Why are you mad? Sorry, we're stretching. That is the strongest ah. trilogy. Of all. Yeah. I even like the third one. People gripe about the third one. I even Who like gripes one. about the third one? There's always somebody that goes, eh, the third one's kind of weak with the Western stuff. I'm like, nope, it's as good as the other two. Nope. It's as, it's better. <laughs> I never say that. No. <laughs> it's like those a-holes that want to tell me that Last Crusade is better than, uh, than Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, let's not go crazy because it's funny. Yeah, who would Let's, yeah, who the hell would say that? No, oh, oh, Last Crusade is better. It's funnier, but no, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect no. movie. You sons of bitches. We're also going to be watching. <laughs> did we already got? Did we? Did we watch Temple of Doom? We did. Yes, we did. What year is uh, Last Crusade? Eighty nine. Did we watch okay, Temple so it's of Doom? Coming. Did we watch Temple of Doom? Uh, yes. We talked yeah. about it. Yeah, we did. On yeah. April first. Hey. Wow. Just Justine is on top of it. Patrick gave it a seven. Yeah, that's about right. I gave it a five. John gave it a five. Jake gave it a 6.5. And Mario gave it a 6.5. Love it. How about that? I would have rated it higher in the shadow of uh, of uh, Crystal Skull. Cause that is I'm a- guessing we're not going to watch Crystal Skull. <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> never, never, never. 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 never gonna watch it. Never gonna never watch it. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Never, never gonna, gonna watch it. it. Never gonna watch it. Yeah. All right, guys. Never gonna let you down. No Rick rolling. You Rick roll after, so I don't get taken down in the whole thing. Guys, what a great show! Good job this week, guys. Difficult, some difficult movies. You know, Empire of the Sun, not a, not a fun movie, but you guys you guys made it through. Yeah, it was. It, it's the the subject is fascinating, so I can't really hate it. You're fascinating. Thanks. All right, guys, we love you. 
be back with us next week. We're going to watch a couple movies. We're going to watch Bull Durham, starring Kevin Quaid. And we're going to watch uh, Coming to America, the peak of Eddie Murphy at his powers. Tens across the board. Move that, that move that, move that sentence around. Eddie Murphy at the peak of his powers. You guys are really going to love Fish Called Wanda, I'm, I'm thinking. I think you guys are really going to. I don't think, know. I've never that, seen it. That's going to be a nice. That's going to be a nice surprise. And I think I'm going to go out and say, guys, yeah. Do you promise? I really don't know which you guys are going to like better: Midnight Run or Fish Called Wanda. I'm going to say that for sure. I don't know which one. Has Jake seen? Has uh, Jake seen uh, Fish Called Wanda? Uh, I don't think he has. It's fantastic. It's a good one. It's it's a movie that does well, not. Like if you, it's a movie that does not get talked about enough. Uh, no, sure. but it was it was a hit. It was a big hit, you know. Huge, 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 John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, always, huge. always remember uh, John Cleese smelling his socks. Always remember that. It's a weird. <laughs> it's a weird touch. But I was like, "What? That's an interesting choice." But yeah, okay, uh, guys, <laughs> let's talk about that next time. Oh no! In two weeks, we'll be talking about that next week. Bull Durham coming to America. Can't wait. Uh, we have a lot to, to unpack with Susan Sarandon, guys. So uh, until next time, for for jo- for Jake who is absent, for John, for Justine, for Patrick, we will say this transmission ends now. Fight the power. <laughs> <laughs>